Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture. The 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Tanner Wallace-Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley for today's show, which is brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. On today's show, we're going to talk about what the announcement of one of the largest renewable diesel facilities in Canada could mean for Canadian producers. Marlena Borsch will give her pulse outlook for 2023, and we'll also highlight the use of drones in the field. All that and more, including the farm weather market update and resource report in their usual spots. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today starts right now. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director Jim Smalley. Tanner Waldo-Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley on this portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture, which is brought to you by Johnston's Durain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Imperial Oil announced last week that it's going ahead with the largest renewable diesel facility in Canada. It's going to be built in Strathcona County near Edmonton. Alberta canola chair Roger Chevra says it's great news for Canadian producers and the canola industry in general. Well, it's, it's extremely good news. Um, it's, uh, we've been working with the government for a number of years to uh, work on uh, their Clean Fuel Standards Act that was just passed here recently. And, and so this is an announcement that doesn't surprise me. It builds on an announcement they made, I think, about a year ago that suggested that they were looking at doing such a thing. So it, overall, I mean, it's fantastic news. It's, it's another market for our canola here in Canada. 90% of our product is, is exported. So this means that Canadian farmers aren't going to have to rely so much on foreign markets and, and have more of a domestic market, which is certainly something we've been working towards for a long time, particularly after all the troubles we had with China a few years ago. You know, it's less likely to have as big an impact on us if we have a domestic market. We don't have to worry about the concerns that other countries might decide that they want to cancel or, or not uh, purchase from us anymore. So it, it's very positive thing. Once the plant is up and running in a couple of years, it's expected to produce more than a billion litres of renewable diesel every year. And since it can be blended with regular diesel, it can be used in engines that run on conventional fuel. Chevra foresees much of the canola grown in Canada will actually stay in the country for processing. Certainly we have some great relationships with other countries like the United States, Mexico and Japan. And, and you know, our idea in the marketplace is that we're going to be looking at trying to expand some of the acres that canola is, is grown on. There's Canola Council has a strategy in place to try and expand the acres in the brown soil zone so that we can still maintain a good export market while increasing our domestic supply. So that those are things that we're working on. There's a lot of research towards those areas. There's a lot of impact on trying to, uh, to increase our, our overall supply. That's Roger Chevra with Alberta Canola. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Spalley on 620 CKRM. 
Tanner Wallace Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley on today's show, which this feature is for Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire and Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Saskatchewan Pulse growers have turned to a well-known specialist to provide a pulse market update. Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture lists some general factors for pulse crops, including lentils and chickpeas. She provided her outlook for lentil values in 2023. Well, as I said earlier, I think um, particularly the price signals on the red lentil side at 30 cents so far for a new crop are a little bit disadvantageous relative to wheat and canola, for example. So, you know, it will be very hard to increase acres. Um, and I think that we'll see somewhat of a reduction on the red lentil side. Movement uh, at the moment is a little bit sluggish. Uh, it was very good, actually, in November and into Christmas. We did, I think it was something like 60,000 ton bulk shipments over the Christmas period. So that really helped. But right now it seems to slacken off a bit and prices have fallen, uh, weakened a bit on the red lentil side and now we are in the planning period um, for lentils and so um, you know that doesn't bode well in terms of overall competitiveness of lentils uh, towards the others whereas on the green side um, we haven't seen a lot of prices 40 cents i saw um, for small greens you know that helps um, a little bit the yields are a bit small uh, a little bit smaller for greens than for reds but uh, that's a substantial difference in price and uh, that should more or less maintain those acres for green lentils. She then offers her outlook for chickpeas. I think the biggest factor on the chickpeas is that we have seen um, very good exports. So year to date, I think we had about 75,000 tons, which is, um, you know, 176% of last year's performance. And, and um, growers have noticed that. So export performance has been very good, particularly because uh, production levels in other countries, namely um, Mexico, um, Weren't, weren't as good as it anticipated. So I think the market will remain strong. Um, most of our exports go to the United States and uh, the hummus market certainly you know, has been very, very significant for us that will stay there. But we've also uh, shipped significantly more than normal uh, into Pakistan and then Middle Eastern market like Lebanon have been very good as well. And I think that will stay there. I think um, growers have noticed um, the improved flow. One of the problems we have is we have very few facilities that can actually handle chickpeas uh, efficiently and size them. So that problem, I think, stays <laughs> for now. But I think, uh, uh, especially uh, when we think about the weather and soil moisture developments that are still um, difficult in southern Saskatchewan and southern uh, Alberta, chickpeas are certainly suited for that. So combined um, with the good export movement and certainly um, also uh, much improved prices, I think we could easily see chickpea acres up by 25% or so. So last year, if I remember correctly, we were at something like 95,000 acres, which um, you know, it's not very high, but I think we can see 120, 125,000 acres coming up. So um, this year's production was about 125, 128,000 tons. So that could easily go up to 160,000 tons.
and uh, given the markets, it depends a little bit what's happening, um, you know, in some of the other production areas. But I think we should be able to accommodate that with export levels, you know, of around 160,000 tons as well. So it's um, given some of the agronomic considerations. I think it's a it's a good crop to grow. Some of the new crop price signals are good. There were some 45 cent prices out there. Um, so you know, it all all kind of comes together, uh, showing that the market. Uh, really desires a few more acres from us and um, I, I don't think there should be a problem with the markets. I don't spend a lot of time on the chickpea markets um, mm-hmm. um, but when I look at overall production levels in the world um, and the use of chickpeas has uh, certainly improved in some areas too. Um, I think it's um, particularly with the agronomics of them it's a good crop to grow in the next year as well. That was Marlena Borch, who is with Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg, giving her comments, which come from the Pulse of the Prairies podcast. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Okay, let's talk markets. Our guest today is Neil Townsend of FarmLink Marketing Solutions, also of Grain Fox. Okay, Neil, how would you describe the current market condition? <laughs> it I'm very curious because it seems like we've really had a real lack of news as of late to really drive it. So it feels like we're just kind of fluttering sort of sideways, maybe even leaning to the downside. Yeah, I mean, I think in isolation, if we looked at it, you know, and we said, what would we expect? We'd probably expect some pressure on the market right now. And the main catalyst for that would just be that, you know, the South American crop, despite what, you know, we hear about Argentina the crop's going to be very large. Like Brazil is going to have a record soybean production by maybe 10, 15, or even 20 million tons uh, uh, better than the previous record. And, you know, that should probably weigh on the market. There's not another sort of uh, northern hemisphere issue that's big enough for winter crops that we could look at and say, well, okay, support's coming down the channel sooner than later. So I, I would I would expect that the market would have been under some pressure. And that's what we sort of did see, you know, uh, kind of in the weeks following the uh, rather bullish January uh, was we, we saw that dissipate as, you know, people started focusing on the weather conditions. And at that point it was sort of an improved Argentina. And then, uh, you know, the big elephant in the room is, is essentially Brazil on the supply side. And then on the demand side, I would say that, you know, people continue to watch things and, you know, there's just not not the same urgency coming out of a place like China that we perhaps would want to see. Um, it seems to be improving, but not not the level of urgency that uh, that maybe the markets want. Are we still really, you know, when you mention China, I think of you know some of the overarching concerns in terms of global demand for agricultural commodities with you know talk of a global recession we we saw the bank of canada raise rates last week we i we're going to see the fed raise again but it, it canada mentioned the bank of canada mentioned a bit of a pause did, did, how does that reflect on what happens with the commodity market from a demand side of of this debate are, are we as concerned as we were say three months ago 
Yeah, I mean, it, it ebbs and flows. I think, like, you know, when you started the interview, you kind of gave a, you know, a, a good explanation to the listeners. And, and I think, like, two of the words that sort of fall out of that are, like, there still remains a lot of uncertainty about, you know, policy, about demand in particular. And then what that's sort of leading to is this sort of, you know, moments of volatility where we see like a sharp reversal of what was happening. So, you know, last week we had canola kind of going down, down, down. And then, you know, we had this reversal where it went up for two or three straight days. Right. And, you know, there wasn't any news flow that seemed to sink at one direction or rise it in the other direction. It was just, you know, okay, it seems like it's time to pound canola because, you know, the soybean situation, and and we're not going to really think about the the canola supply and demand balance. And, And that's where, you start to think about these countries and increasingly in the margins or in the articles, you'll hear things like people say like, oh, okay, you know, we might be able to sell some more Durham to people. But one of the reasons why the prices are dropping in Durham, for example, is that like, you know, the customers are having trouble paying because of interest rates, because of inflation, because of their currency relative to the U S dollar. And I mean, I, I suppose those are all factors, but I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, like, I, I think the demand has been okay this year. You know, like, we were doing sort of a deeper dive into China. And, and, you know, this is relative to the USDA. And one of the things that our deeper dive revealed was that, you know, for corn and the, the current forecast is 18 million metric tons imports, is that yeah, they're on pace to actually do 18 million or slightly more. Now, it's not all coming from the United States, which is perceived as sort of a bearish factor, but that's pretty good. And then, you know, we thought, okay, well, let's look at, at uh, soybeans relative to the 96 million ton uh, import uh, forecast from the USDA. Now, granted, that was chopped by 2 million tons in the last one. But what we saw there was that, oh, yeah, you know, they're on track to do that, if not a little bit more right now. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather forecast is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866 and Moose Jock Truck Shop. The number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejocktruckshop.com. Today it's cloudy with periods of light snow beginning this afternoon, a high of minus 15, wind chill of minus 21 this afternoon. Tonight, periods of light snow, those are going to end early this evening, then things are going to clear up. A low of minus 33, wind chill of minus 26 this evening, and minus 40 overnight with frostbite in just minutes. Tomorrow it's sunny, increasing cloudiness in the afternoon, a high of minus 24, wind chill of minus 43 in the morning, and minus 34 in the afternoon. Once again, frostbite in minutes and tomorrow night it clears up with a low of minus 23 and on friday sunny with a high of minus 10 and a low of minus 9 the normal high for today is minus 6 the normal low is minus 21 sunrise was at 8 34 this morning and sunset is scheduled for 5 50 tonight looking around the province at this hour estevan minus 16 moose jaw minus 13 PA minus 18, Saskatoon minus 17, Swift Current minus 10, Weyburn minus 17, Yorkton minus 20, and in Regina it's minus 16. The hot spot in the province, Maple Creek at minus 1, and Uranium City is the cold spot in the province at minus 33. We'll be back in a moment.
This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com, and by Pattison Liquid Systems. Expert in liquid fertilizer distribution, fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. The use of drones on the farm is growing. One of the displays at the crop production show in Saskatoon earlier this month featured a large drone used for farm chemical spraying. Marcus Weber is with Landview Drones out of Edmonton and he discussed the drone. This is top of the line, just received now. It's an Agris T40, which is the biggest spraying drone that's commercially available at the moment. There's definitely people working on even bigger, but it's it's a really good demonstration of where we're headed in the future. We already have farmers spraying entire farms with a unit this size, but those aren't 10,000 or 20,000 acre farms yet, but we will get there as well. Weber describes the drone for farm spraying. So the drone sprayer has eight propellers and that's the entire uh, drive system. There's eight motors and eight propellers. There's no other moving parts on this. It's electronics that are basically fueling this piece of equipment. And then there's a big spray tank in the middle and two spray distributors. Rather than a boom, it doesn't have a big long boom, it sprays 36 feet wide though. These propellers move the air around and distribute the spray across that width. Weber described how the drone works in field conditions. There's a controller that you hold in your hand and you have all of the software in that controller outline the area you want flown and then you hit start. While it's flying you're monitoring the airspace to make sure that nothing is happening but you don't actively have to fly the drone or pilot it. It is doing its own thing and flying autonomously and then when it's time to fill the water tank it will either return home itself or if you want to stop early at the end of a run for example you could just hit land and it'll come home and land and then you refill. So there's still work to do. You got to refill those tanks, but Saskatchewan farmers being progressive and innovative are already designing the refill systems for this to automate that part of the process as well. Weber was asked if a farmer should start small if they're interested. Part of the workflow when this come, is done at scale is to fly a smaller drone to map the entire field beforehand. So we use multispectral cameras so that we can figure out what parts of the field we want to spray. Um, if that's a weed scenario, we're mapping the weeds so that we're only applying to the parts of the field that have weeds. We're only flying to those parts and only applying to a portion of that as well. So piloting a small drone is definitely a part of the process anyway. It is a good idea to start that way, but I have customers that had never flown a drone before they were flying a 30 liter drone last season to spray their farm. So it's not necessary to fly smaller drones much, but it is quite a leap to go to something this large. And there are a lot of regulatory aspects to doing that as well because it's an aircraft. Weber was asked about the training time it takes to learn to fly a drone. For a drone over 25 kilograms, you need something called an advanced certificate and a special flight operation certificate. So there's about 30 or 40 hours of learning on the rules side, on the regulatory side. As far as the actual operation, we teach people in about two days to do all of that, including proper calibration and spray quality measurement and all that type of thing. It's really not that complex. Weber says there will be some flying courses available this winter. 
Yeah, we'll have uh, two kinds of schools. We have an egg-grown school, and we'll have 10 or 12 of those across Saskatchewan this spring, between middle of March and Easter. And then we'll also have two or three of these spraying clinics for our customers to make sure that they get good training before they start spraying this spring. Weber explains the learning course. We talk about the theory of spray quality versus drift and some of the risk factors as well. We teach people how to calibrate the drones. The people that attend will have to have some certification before they even come. So it's essentially a level two course, but we teach them all the ins and outs of how to do this properly. Weber explains a little farther. They can go to our website at landview.com or just give us a call and have a chat about drones. That was Marcus Weber with Landview Drones and was at the Western Canadian Crop Production Show earlier this month in Saskatoon. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Tanner Wallace Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley on today's show of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with this segment being brought to you by Dagelman Industries. Look to Dagelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market in Arcola Building Supplies. Small town lumberyard, big on surface, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. As Saskatchewan flax acres have declined in recent years, this has had a negative impact on revenue for the Flax Commission. Sask Flax Board Chair Gregory Sunquist says the loss of revenue and the departure of Executive Director Wayne Thompson has forced them to make some tough decisions. Sunquist says Sask Flax has already announced it has entered into a new management collaboration with Sask Canola. He says a resolution passed at the AGM states Sask Flax will seek input throughout the year on restructuring the flax levy to a percentage-based system of 0.5% on gross sales effective on August 1st of 2024. Well, currently our levy is $2.36 per ton. And as our tonnage goes down, that has a major impact on, on the income that we receive. Prices have moved quite a bit since that levy was, was set. Like we're, well last year was 45, this year we're down to 17 bucks. Um, so if we go to a percentage-based levy system, we have the ability to reflect the value of flax. And that value of flax will also determine the value or the amount of income that comes to the commission. Sunquist pointed out the resolution is being taken under advisement and will be the starting point of conversations with levy producers this year. Especially on something as important as a levy increase, we have to work with our levy payers to find out what they, if they think it's appropriate or if they don't, and what's the appropriate level of that, that percentage of, of levy if, if we go forward with that. Sunquist said even with its challenges, he believes flax is a good crop option for growers. Flax is a good, has a good net return. It's a little cheaper to grow at uh, 12, 15, 20 bucks if you can get a decent yield. And there's some great varieties coming out that you, you know, I've talked to people that have had over 40 bushels an acre this year. It returns some pretty good money. There's issues with flax straw, I understand that. But... It's a good crop for rotation. It has a good ro- return with it. And if we can increase the demand, I think it'll be a very profitable crop for Saskatchewan farmers. The canola and flax levies from producers will continue to be collected separately. And Sask Canola and Sask Flax will maintain individual board of directors as well as separate governance structures. Here's the market updates with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. 
Tanner Waldo Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley with the market update brought to you by Freeze Talman. Since 1956, Freeze Talman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Talman in Regina and Fort Capel. Looking at the latest Viterra price quotes, feed barley is up $15 to Three seventy one fifty seven canola down just under two dollars to eight sixteen twenty two flax up four dollars to six fifty six ninety eight yellow peas up just over a dollar to four fifty nine eighty eight and one red spring wheat down seven dollars to four oh nine five everything else stayed the same Durham four forty two twenty six chickpeas eleven sixty eight fifty lentils nine Pardon me, six ninety four forty oats two twenty nine thirty two and feed wheat at two eighty nine fifty six. Grain prices can be found online anytime at six twenty ckrm dot com. Coming up next, it's the livestock report. It's the livestock reports on the voice of Saskatchewan six twenty ckrm. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn at 842-4574. Now, here are the latest livestock quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of January 31st. Our last regular sale in Weyburn was on January 18th. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.97 cents to $1.10. D3 cows sold from $0.80 cents to $0.95. Cents. Counter cows sold from $0.60 cents to $0.80. Cents. Heffrets sold from $1.54 to $1.70. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.20 to $1.40. We had a pre-sorted calf sale here on Monday. That's right. We always set the pace for everyone else to keep up with. Yes, we always lead the way. 300 to 400 pound steers averaged $3.07 and sold at the $3.45. 400 to 450 pound steers averaged $3.25 and sold at the $3.45. 450 to 500 pound steers averaged $3.16 and sold at the $3.45. 500 to 550-pound steers averaged $3.12 and sold up to $3.25. 550 to 600-pound steers averaged $2.98 and sold up to $3.15. 600 to 650-pound steers averaged $2.92 and sold up to $3.10. 650 to 700-pound steers averaged $2.80 and sold up to $3. 700 to 800-pound steers averaged $2.62 and sold up to $2. Dollars and seventy-seven cents, and eight hundred to nine hundred pound steers averaged two dollars and forty-eight cents, and sold up to two dollars and fifty-nine cents. Heifers were about forty-five cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of five hundred pound grasser steers at three dollars and twenty-five cents a pound, a group of five hundred and seventy pound red steers at three dollars and seventeen cents a pound, a load of six hundred pound black steers at three dollars and five cents a pound, a group of six hundred and fifty pound tan steers at three dollars a pound, a load of 700-pound red steers at $2.77 a pound, and a load of 780-pound Angus steers at $2.59 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices, too. Coming up next, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the resource report for Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. 
It was reported earlier this month that Canada's Natural Resources Minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, is moving ahead with introducing the Just Transition legislation. The legislation would prepare the workforce in Canada to fully participate in the low-carbon economy while minimizing the impacts of labor market transitions, identify and support inclusive economic opportunities for workers in their communities, and put workers in their communities front and center in discussions that affect their livelihoods. The legislation has been met with its fair share of criticism from oil-producing provinces, including recently Brown Air, the Minister of Justice and Attorney General. She said that there are more questions than answers and they won't know if the province's feedback and perspective were taken into account until later this spring. Part of the criticism of the legislation is that it would signal the end to the oil and gas industry and would lead to a loss of jobs for those who work in the sectors. Ayer said that there are over 70,000 people directly and indirectly employed by the province's agriculture and energy sectors, sectors which are vital to the province, country, and the world. Wilkinson however is not worried about people losing jobs but is worried that the country won't have enough workers to fill the new jobs created. Air added that the province will be watching the federal government's next moves very closely and any legislation that eliminates jobs or that reduces the output of the most sustainable products in the world will not be accepted by Saskatchewan and will be met with the tools the province has available to protect and preserve both jobs and the future of the province. On the markets, the TSX is down 164 points and the Dow Jones is down 150. Oil is down $2.37 to be trading at $76.50 per barrel. And the Canadian dollar is down 23 one-hundredths of a cent to be trading at $74.92 U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of today's show, tune into the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. I've been Tanner Wallace-Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CK. If you missed any of the broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620ckrm.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news, on your voice for everything ag, 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.